welcome to This Week in Video Games, episode 16. My name's Tom Kershaw, and this is a podcast all about the world of video games. So this week, I've been playing Dauntless and Dead Cells, and I'll be reviewing both those games. In the news this week, the Sonic movie has been delayed, the new Call of Duty's named, Valve looked to release a standalone Dota 2 auto chess, and League of Legends Mobile is in development. So it's a jam-packed show, let's get into it. Well, welcome to the show, everyone. I hope you're well and you're having a good week. Now, I'm good this week. Um, I've been on my travels again, uh, spending most of my week up in Glasgow. I've had some good time this week to catch up with some gaming, so I'll get into that in the the What I've Been Playing section of the podcast. So this week, Dauntless came out on all platforms, out of beta, and released with full cross-play. So I dove into that. Having played and enjoyed Monster Hunter World last year, I was keen to see what this is like. Uh, but also, um, Dead Cells dropped their DLC, um, the Rise of the Giant content, and I missed Dead Cells back in 2018, but I kept seeing it on everyone's top of the uh, year list at the end of the year, um, so I always wanted to go back and play it. And with the new DLC coming out this week, it was the perfect time to jump in, so I did that and definitely wasn't disappointed. Uh, one of the reasons I started this podcast was to play a wider range of games. So before, I played Destiny quite a lot, and uh, maybe some of the new AAA games uh, that were out and some of the big Nintendo hitters. However, this podcast has given me the motivation to play many other types of games, and Dead Cells is a great example of something I wanted to play for some time, but didn't get to it. So with that said, let's jump into my review of Dauntless. The behemoth threat looms from beyond the horizon. To stand against it, each of us, master and recruit alike, will choose our own path. Whatever it is you seek, every hunt offers the chance to earn glory, trophies, or at least a battle scar. Ramsgate. An outpost at the edge of the world has become our home. And as long as we draw breath, it will not fall. We have learned to turn the behemoth's unique lethal power back against them. We do it in style. The behemoths are changing, evolving. And so we forge new bonds, together, one hunt at a time. Live on the edge of every moment, Slayer. Live for the hunt. So Dauntless is a free-to-play action RPG developed by Phoenix Labs. It's a game where you take on behemoths, take them down with friends and collect the loot they drop to make better weapons and armour. So Dauntless is set in a fantasy world where a cataclysmic event has taken place and torn apart the world, releasing behemoths. And they're huge beasts preying on the surviving humans, and it's our job as slayers to take them down. 
so players can take on Behemoth solo or in a team of up to four players. So when you first boot up the game, you create a character and there's loads of options to choose from. The game has a cartoon aesthetic, much like Fortnite, so if you like that style, then you're going to like this game. The aim of the game is to hunt and take down behemoths. Battles can range from a few minutes to up to 30 minutes, so be prepared to chip away at their health and dodge and roll to eventually take them down. So there's a number of behemoth classes, including Blaze, Frost, Shock, Terror, Neutral, Umbral and Radiant. And uh, as you battle behemoths, they become damaged with parts falling off as they get weakened. So when they take a significant amount of damage, they can become enraged. And this is indicated by a quick burst of ether in a sphere around the behemoth, as well as a glow from their body and their eyes. So when they're enraged, they deal a whole lot load of more damage and attack faster, or they might even change their attack patterns. So when you take down behemoths, you collect their parts and you can use them to make customised weapons and armour to decorate your slayer, showing off trophies of your battle and also making you more effective in battles against similar behemoths. So while you can personalise your slayer's look, you can also master certain types of weapons. So in Dauntless, you've got the sword, uh, the axe, the repeater, warpike, chain blades and the hammer and each weapon type can deal different damage to the behemoths and their body parts. And it's always a good idea to balance your party of slayers with different weapons and damage types. So, for example, the axe, the sword and the chain blade sever and break behemoth parts, whereas the hammer deals high stagger damage. In terms of damage types, slashing deals part damage to unbroken parts of the behemoth, and the only attacks capable of cutting tails and breaking horns. Slashing includes the axe, chain blades, Ostean repeaters and the swords. Blunt damage is used for knocking down behemoths with high stagger damage and that comes from the hammers and then finally you've got piercing damage which comes from war pikes. Weapons can take on elemental types too from collected elemental behemoth parts and you can infuse with blaze, shock, frost, umbral and radiant elements into your weapons, making them stronger against behemoths of that opposing element. So, for example, if you're fighting an ice behemoth, then the uh, blaze element is going to be super effective against that. So rather than traditional RPGs, the progression doesn't come through XP, but it comes through upgrading armour and gear. So you start out with a starter set of gear, um, you farm behemoths to collect their parts to craft better weapons and gear to take on tougher behemoths, and so the cycle kind of continues. You can party up with friends and guilds to take on behemoths, and this is probably the best way to play Dauntless, as hanging out with friends and sharing the loot you gather is great fun. So Phoenix Labs have been great at adding seasonal events as well. Uh, during Christmas there was snow all over Ramsgate, which is your base of operations, and in spring there's been cherry blossoms as part of the current Japanese-themed season. So the game is free to play, although the Hunt Pass has been introduced at a small cost. There's uh, 50 levels to climb, and there's a base path and an elite path, which allows you to get more gear and weapons. So each season has a theme, and this season has a Japanese kind of ninja theme. Outside of the Hunt Pass, there's a whole host of cosmetic items to make your Slayer look even better. Uh, it's a similar mode to the likes of Fortnite and Apex Legends and things like that, where the base game is free to play, but if you want to throw some money at the developers, you can. 
A really awesome feature of Dauntless is the cross-play functionality, so players on PC, PS4 and Xbox One can all play together from the very start. So Phoenix Labs stated they wanted a one Dauntless platform, and they managed to get over the barriers that other games haven't managed to break down. And it could be something to do with their partnership with uh, Epic Games, um, as on PC they're featured on the Epic Games Store, and they've managed to have some success previously with Fortnite getting uh, crossplay on all platforms. So the crossplay is going to be a huge advantage for the game, and combined with the free-to-play um, features. I predict Dauntless is going to be absolutely huge. And it's really funny, when I was playing Dauntless, I was trying to get in, and I was put into a queue, and it said, you are in a queue of 6,000 people, which just goes to show that this week the launch has been super successful. Uh, the game's been in beta for a year, allowing the developers to tweak and tune the game, and this really, really shows, and the game is a really in a fantastic state for new players. Overall, uh, Dauntless is a fun action RPG hunting game with loads of great content from the start. And seeing as the game's free, you can just jump in and try it out. So I recommend if you if you like what you hear, uh, and maybe you tried Monster Hunter World last year uh, and you want something new to kind of get into, uh, it's free. So just um, hop on your PlayStation, your Xbox or your PC and download it and uh, give it a go. I mean, if you don't like it, then you haven't lost anything. There's a depth to the weapons and the mastery in the game that provides you with a satisfying gameplay loop, and playing with friends makes the game even better. And there's a huge wide range of behemoths at launch. Uh, the game is available on all platforms, and they've made it super easy to get up and running really fast. Uh, so the game was developed by Phoenix Labs and published by Epic Games. As I said, it's available on PS4, Xbox One and PC, and it was released on the 21st of May 2019. And we gave it a final score of 86 out of 100. So, what do you think of Dauntless? Have you been playing since beta? And what do you think of the crossplay features? Send in your comments and your stories to podcast at thisweekinvideogames.com and let me know what you think. Right, that's it for Dauntless. Next up is Dead Cells and my long overdue review of the game. So Dead Cells is a roguelike metroidvania game developed by Motion Twin. So this game was in early access for about a year, leading to its release on August the 7th, 2018. It's available on PC, Mac, PlayStation 4, Xbox One and Nintendo Switch. And Dead Cells is also coming to mobile devices in 2019. And for this review, I played it on the Nintendo Switch. So in the opening scene, you see something drop from the ceiling. It approaches a dead body, and suddenly this corpse comes back to life. 
you dust yourself down and you set off to try to fight your way out of a prison that's crawling with enemies. As you go, you gain weapons and armour and upgrades. And as you defeat enemies, they drop cells which you collect and uh, turn in for various unlockable items and bonuses. Dead Cells uses a permadeath system. Once you die, you go back to the start of the game, losing all your cells and all of your items. So Dead Cells can be described as a roguevania that combines procedurally generated roguelike style with an action exploration metroidvania game. So the main protagonist in the game is a collection of cells who takes control of a dead prisoner at the start of each turn. As you explore through a series of randomly generated dungeons fighting nasties, you collect weapons, abilities, power-ups, food and money. So as I say, the levels are procedurally generated, keeping the game feeling fresh each time, with random platforms, obstacles and enemies and items. Combat in the game feels so good too, with a fluid and fast feel to the action. A key part of the game is how good the game feels. It's a similar feeling to that of gunplay in Destiny, as you can tell it's been polished over years and years of development at Bungie. It's hard to describe, but you've kind of just got to experience it to feel it. It feels absolutely fantastic. But do beware, you're going to die a lot in Dead Cells, as it's a fundamental part of the game. Learning enemy styles and tactics for beating the bosses, or as they're known, keepers. A great part of the game is the Twitch integration, allowing for viewers to influence the game via chat, such as voting for upgrade paths. It's a really neat feature and it promotes the game with streamers and audiences because of that kind of two-way interaction model. There's not much of a story to Dead Cells, but due to the addictive gameplay, it doesn't really matter. There's a sense of dark humour in the game which comes across pretty well. And the game takes place on an unnamed island and the main character is referred to as the prisoner. According to the guard, the prisoner was executed for some reason, but that reason isn't really detailed. Each time the prisoner dies, the island reconfigures itself, which is kind of a law reason for the roguelike mechanics in the game. Apparently, the island is a living organism that evolves over time. The game looks and feels absolutely fantastic. The pixel art is beautiful and fluid. As well as looking great, the UI design is really, really good too, allowing you to take in all the numbers required, like damage and upgrades. Sound design is on point too, with a great soundtrack and audio design, allowing you to orientate in your surroundings and understand the differences between regular and critical hits, for example. Dead Cells looks great and feels even better. And what makes it a winning combination is that level of risk-reward and progression. So I started off the game meekly going through the levels slowly but surely. I finally reached the first keeper and was swiftly dealt with and killed. I felt like throwing the switch down. But then, as I went through again, this time faster and faster, and I reached that keeper again, and uh, I beat him in a short amount of time. It feels great, and I can really feel myself getting better at the game as I play through. In terms of weapons in the game, you've got space for kind of two melee weapons, you've got ranged weapons, spells, and shields. So you've also got two types of grenades, or deployable traps. And all of these are colour-coded, purple, green, or red. Uh, Throughout the level, you can pick up random weapons and items that are dropped from enemies, or you can buy new gear at the end of a level. And as well as new gear, in between the level with the vendor, 
There's also mutations where you can apply certain buffs and boost your skills. For example, you can add a temporary buff to add 50% to uh, your weapons post-kills. And as you progress through the levels, there's secret scrolls that you can find to boost your damage and tactical weapons uh, and health, allowing you to survive for longer and hit harder. There's a range of weapons in the game, um, expanded even more by the recent DLC, Rise of the Giant, which came out this week. There's swords, spears, bows and arrows, whips, grenades, fire and ice attacks. And the player combine combinations of weapons that add to the personalization of your build. Uh, random weapons and armor do play a factor here, but you can create some awesome builds. So Dead Cells, it was initially launched on PC back in uh, on May the 10th in 2017 in early access, which led to some useful feedback to audiences before releasing the full version on August the 7th, 2018. And since its initial release, it's won many awards, including the Best Indie Game at 2018's Golden Joystick Awards, Best Action Game at the Game Awards 2018, and was nominated for Best Independent Game as well. So the game was developed by Motion Twin. Um, it's out, as I said, on Nintendo Switch, PS4, Xbox One, PC and Mac. And its original release date was August the 7th, 2018. And uh, we gave it a final score of 88 out of 100. So fantastic game there. Really, really enjoyed myself. But what about you? Have you played Dead Cells? Uh, what do you think about the DLC Rise of the Giant? Uh, send me an email at podcast at thisweekinvideogames.com and let me know what you think about Dead Cells. Right, so that's it for what I've been playing this week. Uh, but don't forget, if you're enjoying This Week in Video Games podcast, then head on over to iTunes and leave us a nice review. Uh, it really helps us get the word out about the podcast. Uh, so if you've got access to iTunes, uh, it would be great if you'd go over there and leave us a uh, nice review. That would be very, very much appreciated. Uh, and don't forget that This Week in Video Games has a YouTube channel that goes alongside with the podcast. The YouTube channel has the entire archive of the podcast, as well as dedicated reviews, interviews and features. So search This Week in Video Games on YouTube and subscribe today for all the latest content. And I'll drop the link to the YouTube channel in the show notes. Uh, and if you want to see anything specific on YouTube, send an email to podcast at thisweekinvideogames.com. It'd be great to hear from you. And I'd like to thank all of you out there listening to the podcast each week. Not only do we get listeners from the UK or USA and Canada, but from all around the globe as well. So I want to say thank you to listeners in Colombia, Cambodia, Romania, Peru, Ukraine, the Maldives, Pakistan, Estonia, Croatia and Chile as well. So thank you to each and every one of you. Uh, I'd love to hear from you uh, wherever you are in the world. Uh, what games you're playing, and where you listen to This Week in Video Games. So send me an email on podcast at thisweekinvideogames.com. Uh, it'd be fantastic to hear from you and uh, get involved in the show. So next up, let's take a look at the news of the week. Okay, so first up in the news this week, Sonic the Hedgehog movie has been delayed, and in a move that surprises no one, the Sonic movie has been delayed. Uh, so the Sonic movie trailer was announced back in April, and there was a backlash over the character design, and it was so bad that the director, Jeff Fowler, said the team were listening to some feedback. So Jeff said on Twitter, Thank you for the support and the criticism. The message is loud and clear. 
you aren't happy with the design and you want changes. It's going to happen. Everyone at Paramount and Sega are fully committed to making this character the best he can be. So the movie was originally slated for November 2019 release. However, now that's being pushed back to February 2020. So Jeff Fowler came out on Twitter again this week and he said, taking a little bit more time to make Sonic just right. Uh, Hashtag no VFX artists were harmed in the making of this movie. Which is a little bit of a tongue-in-cheek poke at uh, some of the feedback that came out from uh, Jeff's initial tweet. So originally Jeff said um, when the Sonic movie would be redesigned, many assumed that the release date of the movie wasn't going to change and the movie production would reflect the crunch that often happens in the games industry. So this appears not to be the case as the movie has been pushed back a few months to accommodate all the changes, which I'm sure is fantastic news to all the animators there. But it's still going to be a huge task to redesign the Sonic character. And uh, it will be interesting to see what the reaction is when the character model comes out again, because they have kind of set a bit of a precedent by making changes due to to a backlash. So that that could be a dangerous precedent to set. But uh, I guess we'll see in the coming months. Next up in the news, the new Call of Duty is going to be named Modern Warfare. And uh, this year's Call of Duty is going to be named Call of Duty Modern Warfare, which may sound a little bit familiar as Call of Duty 4 was also called Modern Warfare. And uh, the game is being developed by Infinity Ward, which was one of the original developers of Call of Duty 4 Modern Warfare back in 2007. And the news was announced on Twitter with Jason Schreier confirming what Long Sensation had previously tweeted earlier in the day. Um, So we don't know too much about this year's entry just yet. However, E3 is coming up soon, and it's likely we're going to get some more details on the game at E3, I'd imagine, Um, because Activision don't have too many games coming out this year, um, and I think they're really kind of pushing behind Call of Duty to get back to its kind of cultural phenomenon that it once was. Uh, And there have been reports that this year's E3, there's going to be a campaign mode uh, which was missing from Call of Duty Black Ops 4. Uh, As I mentioned before, Call of Duty isn't really what it once was, and the market is now saturated with loads of good shooters, including Fortnite, Apex Legends, Ghost Recon, Destiny. uh, And obviously since uh, Call of Duty kind of came out, um, we've had the um, Battle Royale phenomenon really kind of happen. Uh, so the market for Call of Duty really has changed. There's a whole load of competition out there, so it will be interesting to see what Activision do and if they plan to make any kind of free-to-pay elements in this game. I've heard I've heard kind of rumours that uh, maybe there's going to be some kind of free-to-play Battle Royale element, um, but perhaps there's going to be a kind of paid-for uh, campaign and multiplayer mode. So... As I say, we don't know too much at the moment. There's quite a lot of rumours going around, um, but hopefully at E3, which starts in a couple of weeks' time now, uh, we'll get some more details on the game. Minecraft has sold 176 million copies, and it was Minecraft's birthday this week, and it was 10 years old, and it's clearly one of the most successful games ever. Uh, So Minecraft, uh, as I say, has sold 176 million copies to date in virtually every country in the world, according to a blog post from Microsoft. Uh, So part of the birthday celebrations included an announcement of Minecraft Earth, uh, which is a new free-to-play augmented reality game that will bring the creative nature of Minecraft to the real world, according to Microsoft. So I guess it's kind of like... um, 
uh, Pokemon Go and uh, the other um, Harry Potter AR game that's coming out as well. Although I think the Harry Potter AR game is closer to Pokemon Go, where you kind of go around and find um, find various characters in the game. Whereas Minecraft, um, or Minecraft Earth, Microsoft say, so you've got the game mechanics are really simple. Uh, you explore your neighbourhood to find blocks and unique mobs for your builds. Uh, once you have them, any flat surface is an opportunity to build. Uh, you can team up with friends to create amazing builds on build plates and then place them in the real world to explore at life size. Uh, you can even put your survival skills to test in the battle mobs IRL. Uh, craft new items, breed mobs, grow crops. It's Minecraft as you know it in a way you've never seen before. And there's endless fun to be had and it's even better with friends. Uh, so we don't know too much about Minecraft Earth yet, um, apart from this uh, teaser trailer that Microsoft released, although there wasn't too many details in there. So I'm sure uh, as we get closer to E3, Minecraft Earth will be uh, one of the things they're going to show off at a jam-packed E3 for Microsoft this year. Uh, so next up, uh, the Rise of the Giant DLC for Dead Cells, as we mentioned earlier in the review, uh, that has come to Nintendo Switch. Uh, so the big new DLC for Dead Cells was released on May the 23rd and it's a new content update called Rise of the Giant. Um, so the DLC has been available for PC players since March. However, Dead Cells fans on Nintendo Switch have eagerly been awaiting this update. So it's got new arenas, new bosses, uh, new enemies, um, three new skills, uh, ten new weapons and a skinning system. And the skinning system allows players to change the look of the main protagonist by collecting blueprints. Uh, so Nintendo fans of Dead Cells can celebrate. Uh, the game is also coming to mobile devices later in the summer. So even more fans will be able to play it on the move. And uh, you can find a link uh, to Dead Cells' website, which gives you a little bit more details about the DLC and the upcoming stuff with Dead Cells. If you go to thisweekinvideogames.com, type in the search box Rise of the Giant, and uh, you'll find a link to the Dead Cells website. So next up, Bungie has nerfed Whisper of the Worm in Destiny 2, uh, alongside other exotic weapons as well. So Bungie has announced they're going to nerf some of the most popular exotics in the game in their latest update to fans this week at Bungie. Uh, so on the 4th of June, the season of opulence begins, and with it a few changes are coming uh, to popular weapons, including Whisper of the Worm. Uh, so Whisper of the Worm is a popular sniper rifle, and uh, it's now been changed to the perk White Nail, pulls ammo from reserves rather than from thin air. And Whisper of the Worm has arguably the best DPS in the game and White Nail allow players to pretty much fire infinitely as long as they got crit shots. Uh, so the nerfing mirrors what happened in the original Destiny when Black Hammer was nerfed in a similar kind of fashion um, and the reserve ammo has been increased to 18 uh, to compensate for this. And it's kind of funny because this whole thing, this whole nerfing thing happened in Destiny 1. And it's so weird that they released Whisper of the Worm uh, again with the same perks. And then a few months later, they're like, oh, no, we're going to nerf it. So a little bit weird there from uh, Bungie. But um, we did enjoy Whisper of the Worm while it was out. Uh, so next up, uh, Sleeper Simulant. That's also going to be nerfed as well. And that's going to reduce the bounce damage. Uh, so Sleeper Simulant is an exotic linear fusion rifle that can burn down enemies pretty fast. So this one is a really popular one um, in Gambit. Um, and now non-precision shots uh, cause less damage. So that's a, that's a bit of a nerf for Sleeper Simulant there. Uh, the Lord of Wolves as well, that's an exotic shotgun. Uh, that's also going to be nerfed by 20% in PvE. 
and it's uh, release the wolves perk has been reduced uh, another one as well ace of spades one of the most popular hand cannons in destiny 2 that's going to be affected and uh, exotic armor will also be tweaked to mainly focusing on armor that returns super energy uh, for example the orpheus rigs and the phoenix protocol skyla of dire amkara bungie feel that if someone on your team doesn't have these equipped then your team is at a disadvantage uh, so the Destiny community is less than pleased with the changes, as you can imagine, and Reddit has been on fire. Um, and it's a shame, uh, because this only comes days after we got a great new secret mission for Outbreak Perfected. Uh, so a lot of changes there coming to uh, the season of opulence in Destiny 2, and uh, we're going to find out more in the coming weeks as uh, that new season kicks off on June the 4th. Okay, so next up in the news, uh, the Division 2 Raid was finally beaten on console, and uh, the Division 2 Raid was released uh, nearly two weeks ago now to much fanfare, and as players were excited to face some of the toughest endgame content, and fans perhaps weren't ready for how hard this challenge was in Operation Dark Hours. Uh, So PC players beat the raid in about five hours. However, there were reports over last weekend that console players were struggling against the DPS-heavy bosses. Uh, Console players finally beat the raid about three days after release. Oh my goodness me. Uh, Leading to a Reddit post from players wanting to celebrate. And Ubisoft replied in that Reddit post saying, The raid is very much designed to be one of the toughest challenges yet in the history of the franchise. It's built around the idea of a well-coordinated team with good communications. That said, raid difficulty is certainly feedback that we've been looking at since the release of Dark Hours, and it's not outside the realm of possibility that tweaks will be made moving forward. And I think the Division 2 team have actually come out since this report came out earlier in the week and said they're not going to change the raid uh, difficulty, so it is kind of slightly strange that um, they said they were going to have a look at that feedback. And that specific phrase, it's not outside the realm of possibility that tweaks will be made moving forward, Um, Well, it certainly seems that it is outside the realm of possibility now. Um, But given that, the the Division 2 has done really well with their endgame content so far. However, that difficulty balance may be a little bit too far for this time on console players. And it is a little bit strange that, um, you know, it's kind of, it really matters what platform that you're on. Um, I think um, speedrunning teams now have got the raid down to under 30 minutes or something absolutely crazy like that um, which is unbelievable but yeah initially PC players took them 5 hours but if you're then stuck there for 3 days on console due to the you know the accuracy of the aiming and the mouse and keyboard um, perhaps um, there's something for Ubisoft to have a look at there in uh, in the next raid so next up in the news Valve are going to release Dota Auto Chess and so a popular mod for Dota is getting its own dedicated release, according to Valve. Uh, so Dota Auto Chess is a strategic spin-off Dota that's gained a huge fan base, unlike its official card game Artifact, which flopped pretty hard. Uh, so Dota Auto Chess, it's not like chess or Dota. Um, it's far strategic and focuses on automated battles between heroes from a shared pool. And... The goal is to create combos between selected heroes whilst avoiding counters. And Dota Auto Chess has 8 million subscribers in Dota 2's Steam Workshop, uh, often having hundreds of thousands of concurrent players at the same time. Uh, So Valve updated their community via a blog post this week saying they'd flown out the mod team from China 
to Valve HQ to discuss collaborating on an official Dota version of the game. And Valve said, If you're like us, you've spent much of the last six months playing Dota Auto Chess. And if you've followed Valve closely over time, you know what usually comes next. We'll play something we love to meet some of the people we're inspired by and then figure out a way to work together. In fact, Dota 2 exists because a group of us here at Valve couldn't stop playing the original mod. After we played the game roughly one billion times, it was pretty clear that we should reach out to the creators, Drodo Studio, to start a conversation about working together. And Dota Auto Chess is one of the most popular games on Steam, uh, and it makes sense for Valve to have a look at this. And Valve have said they're going to be talking about more about Auto Chess and their release uh, coming soon. So next up in the news, we've got another one related to Valve um, and Assassin's Creed Unity. The positive review bombing has been confusing Valve recently. Uh, So Valve have been left a little bit confused and unsure what to do uh, recently when a surge in positive review bombing um, hit Assassin's Creed Unity. So under normal circumstances, review bombs would be negative and Valve's actions uh, or the next steps would be quite clear. Here, however, things get a little bit muddy. Uh, So Assassin's Creed Unity was recently given away for free by Ubisoft after the unfortunate fire at uh, Notre Dame Cathedral in Paris. Uh, So this prompted players to leave a whole bunch of positive um, reviews on Steam. Um, Valve recently put in measures to prevent negative review bombing. For example, when Metro Exodus was featured as an exclusive on the Epic Games Store, many folks came along to Steam and left negative reviews. Uh, So Valve have discussed the issue in a recent blog post. Uh, And they said, data-wise, it doesn't quite fit the pattern of negative review bombs. In the case of AC Unity, there's a significant increase of actual players alongside the increase in reviews. And this isn't necessarily the case with a typical off-topic review bomb. Um, But to be clear, we have seen negative review bombs with that characteristic. Without reading the actual reviews, all the data here looks very much like a game that's gone on sale or received an update. It's seen a spike in players, and many people have come to realise there's fairly good correlation between player count and user reviews. If you get more players, you're going to get more reviews. But we also went and read a large chunk of the reviews, some reference Notre Dame or the giveaway. Uh, But most just look like standard reviews of a new player, or a player that's returning to a product they bought a while ago. Ubisoft has released a significant update to AC Unity since launch, and it appears that some of the players who bounced off it Uh, at launch have returned and found themselves enjoying the game much more. So it's not clear if it's a review bomb. It certainly doesn't fit our original definition uh, in the aimed at lowering the review score section. Uh, But back in 2017, the community's terminology around review bombs, it was also focused only on concerted negative efforts. Uh, And it'd be nice to change that terminology to something that doesn't imply positive or negative, but that's up to the community. So it's a really interesting topic there and not something um, that we've really seen a lot of. As um, Valve said in their blog post, it's mainly negative reviews when uh, things get review bombed. Um, But yeah, it's an interesting topic for Valve as they weigh up how to prevent uh, review bombing in the foreseeable future. So next up in the news, we've got League of Legends Mobile is in development. And uh, League of Legends is one of the most popular games in the world. And according to Reuters, a mobile version is in development with Riot Games and the Chinese developers Tencent. According to the article, relations have been strained between the companies as discussions have been ongoing over the years. So apparently Riot Games rejected Tencent years ago. Tencent then went on to develop their own game, Honor of Kings, in 2015, which went on to be one of the biggest grossing games in the world. 
More recent DLC packs for Honor of Kings haven't caught the eye of Western audiences, so both companies have decided to come up with a new strategy. League of Legends Mobile apparently is in development, however it's unlikely to be released in 2019. So League of Legends brought in 1.4 billion, that's billion, in 2018, although that was down 21% from 2017. A mobile version of League of Legends would likely bring in more Asian players who tend to prefer more mobile games, according to this report. And 57% of video game revenue came from mobile in 2018 in the East, whereas in the West it only accounts for 36% in the US market. So analysts have warned that League of Legends Mobile could find it hard to find its place in a saturated market as Honor of Kings had 140 million players in March 2019. So really interesting news there. And uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see um, if League of Legends Mobile comes out soon. Because it's it's taken the world by storm, League of Legends, over the years it's been out. And is more often than not the number one played game on Twitch. Uh, it's either something, it's either that or Fortnite. They tend to kind of swap positions uh, depending on the streamers who are playing. But yeah, interesting stuff. And uh, we'll see what Riot Games and Tencent come up with in the future. So that's it for the news this week. Next up, let's take a look at the charts. So the all-platform charts this week, uh, number 10, uh, down two from eight last week. We've got new Super Mario Bros. U Deluxe. Uh, we've got a new entry at number nine, A Plague Tale Innocence. And then at number eight, uh, down one from seven, we've got Tom Clancy's The Division 2. Down two places from five to seven, we've got Grand Theft Auto Five, And then holding steady there at number six, we've got Mario Kart 8 Deluxe. At number five this week, it's Red Dead Redemption 2. That's down one place from four. And then down two places from two to four, we've got Mortal Kombat 11. Uh, holding steady there at number three, we've got FIFA 19. And down one place from last week's number one down to number two this week is Days Gone. And straight in at number one, we've got another new release, and that's Rage 2. So congratulations to Rage 2 there. And also, uh, it's really interesting, A Plague Tale Innocence. Uh, that's a new indie game, uh, which looks absolutely fantastic. I've, I've read a few reviews of that. I might try and pick that one up in the coming weeks. And it's great to see an indie game like that uh, breaking into the top ten. Uh, so if you haven't checked out A Plague Tale Innocence... Uh, that's a new entry at number nine. Uh, do go and check out a video of that and see what you think, because uh, it looks really, really interesting. Okay, so that's it for the charts this week. Uh, let's have a look at what we've got coming up next week. So coming up next week, uh, we've got a whole bunch of new games. We've got uh, on May the twenty seventh, we've got Constructor Plus. It's coming out on PC. And then on May the 28th, we've got a few games. We've got Cricket 19, the official game of the Ashes, uh, which reminds me, the Ashes is this year, so uh, cricket fans uh, do mark that down. Plus, we've got the World Cup starting this week, so that's going to be absolutely amazing. Uh, But Cricket 19, uh, the official game of the Ashes, that's coming out on PS4, Xbox One, and Switch. Uh, We've got Layers of Fear 2, that's coming out on PC, PS4, and Xbox One. Uh, Little Friends, Dogs and Cats, that's coming out on Switch. Uh, Oxygen Not Included, that's coming out on PC. Uh, Spellforce 3, Soul Harvest, that's coming out on PC as well. And uh, that's coming out on May the 28th. Uh, So on May the 29th, we've got Among the Sleep Enhanced Edition, that's coming out on PS4, Xbox One, and Nintendo Switch. 
Uh, we've got Blood and Truth PSVR that's coming out on May the 29th as well. And Dragon that's coming out on PC. And Terratech that is coming out on Nintendo Switch. Then on May the 30th we've got Conan Unconquered that's coming out on PC. And we've got Space Ops VR that's coming out on PC VR uh, again on May the 30th. And then a few releases on May the 31st we've got Kotodama The Seven Mysteries of Fujisawa uh, that's an EU released on PC, PS4 and Nintendo Switch. And we've got Trover Saves the Universe, that's coming out on PS4 and PSVR. And finally, on May the 31st, we've got Warhammer Chaos Bane Magnus Edition. Cool, so we've got lots of good stuff coming out there this week. Cricket 19 uh, looks pretty good. Uh, but as I say, uh, the World Cup starts this week. And uh, we've got the Ashes to look forward to later in the summer. So super, super excited about that. Um, Blood and Truth coming out on PSVR. I've heard a lot of good things about Blood and Truth. Uh, so if you don't know about Blood and Truth, go and check out a video of that on YouTube. Uh, looks really, really good. Yeah, so lots of lots of good stuff coming out this week. That's it for coming up next week. Uh, let's have a look at what I've been doing outside of gaming. Uh, so as I've been on the move this week, I've been listening to a few good podcasts, uh, which I thought I'd share with you, uh, including Without Fail, Kevin Peterson, Beast of Man, and No Such Thing as a Fish. Uh, so Without Fail is a podcast where Adam Bloomberg, uh, he's the owner of Gimlet Media and the former producer for This American Life, uh, he interviews a guest who um, normally has taken a big bet on something where they've either won or lost. Uh, so he tends to speak to people from the world of business, uh, but he's spoken to sports stars and agents and um, all, you know, all kinds of other people. Uh, in the latest episode, he speaks to Jeff Ulrich, who founded a company called Earwolf. And that was one of the first podcast networks. And Jeff talks about his, his experience founding Earwolf during a period in his life when he was an active alcoholic. And he also went on to create Midroll as well, a popular ad platform for podcasts. Uh, so I always enjoy Gimlet Media's podcasts. I think they're fantastic, uh, in particular where Adam uh, Adam Bloomberg is interviewing people. He's a really engaging interviewer. Uh, so if you like this kind of thing, um, do give without fail a go. Uh, we've also got Kevin Peterson, Beast of Man, and that's been released on BBC Sounds. That follows Kevin Peterson on Life After Cricket and his quest to eradicate rhino hunting. Uh, so the reporter goes out to South Africa and joins Kevin tr to try and stop rhinos from being hunted and killed. Uh, he's campaigning, but he more often than not goes out into the wild in South Africa. And he's right there uh, as the poachers have kind of been attacking and killing the rhinos. It's, it's really not what you'd expect, uh, but it's a really, really interesting listen. And uh, I thoroughly recommend it. Uh, and finally, um, there's no such thing as a fish. And that's from the research team behind the quiz show, QI. Uh, it's really funny. Uh, they come up with all kind of facts and figures and stories. And so if you like uh, the kind of thing that um, QI has, uh, then give no such thing as a fish ago. Uh, I also watched a really good documentary this week uh, about the development of For Honor. Uh, so recently um, I was talking to you about on the podcast, The Rise of Kratos. Uh, the documentary released on YouTube uh, by PlayStation, which followed the development cycle of the most recent God of War uh, reboot and the kind of grueling nature of the video games industry. 
so the For Honor documentary that's available on Netflix. Uh, I mean, I'm based in the UK, and I know Netflix is kind of different um, in different places around the world. Um, so yeah, check out Netflix um, to see whether you've got the For Honor uh, documentary. And um, let me just see what it's called. Okay, yeah, so that documentary is called Playing Hard, and it's about the development of a new IP at Ubisoft. And again, it goes into the gruelling cycle that is games development. And um, it follows uh, the creative director, uh, who really puts puts his heart and soul into into the game. He's a really creative character, really, really engaging. And um, you've also got producers from Ubisoft as well. They're based in Montreal. Um, and you know offices all over the world and they fly over to Paris and it, it leads the it's kind of a build up to this new IP development they say in the documentary that the most successful games are sequels and that new IP really offers a significant risk to studios I mean you can see that from the recent kind of Anthem uh, launch uh, from Bioware uh, which was a huge risk uh, and they, they ploughed in a whole load of money and that didn't really go go down too well uh, but this this documentary is really really interesting. Uh, so playing hard, available on Netflix. It follows the story of the development from its original kind of idea and pitch meeting um, through to the development cycle of the game and the lead up to the E3 announcement, and then into the production uh, cycle as well. And slowly, the creative director kind of gets phased out of the project, and it's really it's really hardcore. Uh, and also, uh, one of the main producers um, he gets so stressed that at some point he just has to take himself off for five weeks and go to a retreat. And it really goes to show the the, the heart and soul that, that goes into creating video games and the effect that it has on the people that are working in this industry. I mean, we've had so many stories this year uh, in Bioware, in uh, Rockstar, uh, Riot Games. Um, there's so many studios... Uh, the, the studio behind Mortal Kombat as well. Uh, there's so many studios um, who crunch um, their employees uh, to get these games out. I mean, surely there must be there must be a more sustainable way to make games. Uh, but these, you know, both these documentaries, uh, Raising Kratos and Playing Hard, both showcase the kind of development lifecycle of the games, and it just goes to show how much pressure. Is, is on these people and even this producer who's been at Ubisoft for uh, you know a long time you know he's used to um, the pressure and uh, you know the the game sort of schedules but he, he's questioning himself saying you know what what do I have left in the tank how many games do I have left how many projects do I have left and is it worth it and there's this um, you know really heartfelt scene where another producer is saying you know I have to I have to leave my kids behind and they, you know, they say they understand, but he's got his little girl there giving him a hug saying, Daddy, I, you know, I don't want you to leave. And, uh, you know, it goes into the, the health risks associated as well. This guy talks about um, how he deals sort of with managing stress. It's, it's, uh, it's a really interesting documentary. Uh, it's a really good watch, but it, it does go to show that maybe we could do more to uh, make games in a little bit more of a sustainable way. Yeah, I'm sure we're going to be discussing the sustainability of the video games industry more on podcast episodes in the coming weeks and months. 
Um, but yeah, let me know what you think. Um, go out there and uh, have a look at Playing Hard, the For Honor documentary. And try out those podcasts. Uh, let me know what you think. I'd love to hear what other podcasts you're listening to or what you're watching. Uh, send me an email on uh, podcast at thisweekinvideogames.com. Uh, let me know what you're listening to and uh, what you're watching. It'd be fantastic to hear from you. So that's it for this week's episode. Uh, if you want to get involved in the show, email us at podcast at thisweekinvideogames.com or you can check out the latest on the website all throughout the week and that's www.thisweekinvideogames.com. Uh, send in your questions, your comments and your video game stories. I'm always interested in hearing from you. And uh, I'm also available on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube and Instagram. Uh, so search This Week in Video Games on your favourite platform and join in that conversation. Uh, so if you'd like to support the show, then I've opened up a Patreon page, and that's available at patreon.com, This Week in Video Games, and I'll put the link to that in the show notes. Uh, so you're, if you're interested in supporting the show and becoming a producer of This Week in Video Games, uh, then you can pledge your support there, and uh, you'll get a whole bunch of uh, features uh, and shout-outs on the podcast. Uh, so if you want to support the show, please do go there and sign up. Uh, so thank you once again for hanging out with me and chatting about video games I hope you have a good week coming up and I'll talk to you next weekend so for now, I'll see you soon <laughs>